Hi, and welcome to the Write the Story podcast, where we divulge tips on plotting as you listen in to us outlining a short story. This episode has been brought to you by our listeners and supporters on Patreon. If you want to help bring more podcasts like this one to life, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash amwritingfantasy. Welcome to episode four. I'm Autumn. Before I call Jesper, let me fill you in with what we did last week. When Jesper and I met last, we finished developing our characters for the short story we are plotting. I really love the nuances we've managed to create for the secondary characters of Ubri, Dramna's love interest, and her parents. They are starting to feel a lot more than cardboard cutouts now. Finally, yay! This week, we want to start going through the plot post so we can take all of our ideas that we've developed up to this point and start putting them into the flow of a short story. For plot posts, we use the seven stages of story structure, which are the intro, the inciting incident, the reaction phase, the dark night of the soul or new info, the planning phase, the climax, and the wrap-up. Okay, with that, I'm going to call Jesper. Hello? Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm good, thank you. It's Great. Uh... It's been raining all day today, but uh, it's oh. good that we're inside anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. For me, it's been sunny and beautiful. When I'm, it's a shame I'm inside, but that's okay. It's still early afternoon for me. It's evening for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can you can pop outside afterwards <laughs> if you want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So are you ready to do short story work? Yeah, let's do a bit of story work and... Then I can go off to bed and you can go for a walk or whatever. <laughs> ah, that sounds good to me. I like that. I'll, 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 by then my ideas will be churning, so maybe I'll generate some while I'm walking. That'll be good. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? All right, so I think we were getting to the plot post, right? Yes, exactly. That's right where we are. Okay. So let's try to see if we can maybe do the first three if we have time for it. Let's just try that, I, I think. Then we can leave the rest of the plot post for the next episode. That next sounds call. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds really good. I think we should be able to get through the first three and then four next time. Because the wrap up, the final one's usually, you know, pretty easy. But let's see what we can do. And we got a lot of ideas already generated, so it should work out pretty well. Yes, I think so as well. Because actually, I think we probably have quite a lot of this already. But then we can go through it and see if we are missing some pieces or not. Exactly. Yeah, so the first one is um, the intro. As it says in our little guidebook here that I'm looking at, <laughs> it says that the think of the intro as a mini story, a starting bridge that reaches from the first page towards the inciting incident. We meet the hero acting in his or her ordinary world, yet there is a presence of a small problem. It's not a huge dilemma but rather a tiny dramatic event in the form of an everyday issue which needs to be fixed. Right. Don't we have this already? Well, I think we do. I mean, this is pretty easy because it's where we actually meet Dramna and we know she's going to be at the shore. And I'm trying to think what was the first scene because we did talk about the first scene before. Now I have to go back and look at all my notes. Okay, so for the first scene, we had an opening scene we'd come up before, 
when we were working on the character development, and we said that there would be a festival in the city and her parents would want to bring her a special meal and decorations so that she can take part. And they arrive and she refuses the food decoration saying that she is in seclusion. So that is a really good intro. It it shows her character. It kind of gives the setting that she's outside of society because she's taking part in in this to become a um, one of Naveen's chosen. Yeah, didn't we have the storm stuff as well there or something like that? I think we had that for just after this, so I'm not sure. Sh- it wouldn't right, be quite the inciting incident. But it's still incident. before we the have. inciting incident, yeah. Exactly. So that's that would be like the next part of it. I don't know if we need a bridge between the two or when we'll introduce Ubri. I guess those are really kind of the parts that are missing. Well, yeah, we have a couple of elements listed in, in our book that we need to sort of put a check mark against. So in the intro, we are supposed to present character that mm-hmm. we are doing already. So check. We should pose a question, it says. Hmm. Um, so this is basically, le- it means like stimulating the reader's curiosity of oh, okay. what is going on and so on. And I think we are doing that as well with why is she on a beat? She's sitting there and she doesn't want her, all that stuff, right? That, that's, right, right, right. that's enough intrigue. And then introduce conflict which we also have with her mm-hmm. parents trying to come there and help and so on, have action. Well, that's the part about the uh, storm and she's trying to fix that and so on. Show the setting. We're definitely doing that as well. Right? Yeah, I think so. I'm just, I guess I'm trying to think from a writing standpoint, I think we're checking all the boxes, but we have them coming to give her gifts like if this if this was a regular novel, the intro could last like three chapters. But for a short story, we don't want it to go on too long. And so we have her parents coming once and then we have them trying to come again with a storm. And I mean, I guess it could happen just they leave and the storm comes that night. Oh, we could merge it, them. Yeah. And that's what I was wondering is if we could merge them. But then I think that's better. Yeah, it would be. So they're coming like, and then and then, the you know. And then the storm sort of breaks. It's probably already a bit cloudy and and windy and raining a bit and whatnot. And maybe that's also why they want to, they feel like, they feel sorry for her. She's sitting there in the rain. And uh, and then as they are there, then then the storm really hits or something. Yeah, of course we had it. We wanted it to show that they were anxious about her, um, as we put it, so that they had skin in the game to make sure she was fine. And I don't want to lose that side of them that they're they've got this true compassion for their daughter yeah but it it doesn't that also show by the fact that it's not too well weather and there is a festival going on in the city so therefore they i mean doesn't that show compassion that you want to go there and give her some food and at the same time just check that she's okay and so on yeah, I could see it. I guess uh, just when I was visualizing it before, she was, she meant, oh, that's why, because we had her alone and she has that flashback memory of when she was a kid and having, feeling that closeness with her parents. We just didn't work she, that in. Yeah, I think it's, all, it's a lot of elements to work in that we have to not forget. And so if her parents are there, I think they have to show up afterwards. They can't be there when the storm hits or they have to be maybe leaving and the storm hits and they turn around so that they come back. That There's got to be a portion of it that she's alone. Her parents can't be in the tent with her right. during the height of the storm. Right. But yeah, we could have them leave and, and then, you know, they they should probably be smart enough to see that there is a storm coming. So mm-hmm. they're probably there trying to tell her, like, you know, take take care. 
we have to leave now before the storm hits but then it just arrives sooner than they thought and then they have to come back to her or something yeah and that it's worse than they thought and so they come rushing yeah. back saying are you fine and and it turns out she is fine so i think that would work and that kind of keeps it all in one extended scene which works a lot better with a short story i think if it was a novel i would happily have them leave i'd have ubri show up I, you know, I'd have her going off with her friends, and then I'd have the second this scene with the storm in the next third chapter. Yeah, but I agree. It's we're not we're trying. I agree. Not to it's make it's this. gonna it's gonna take up too much space. Yeah, if we yeah we have to merge some of that stuff. I agree. Exactly. So I think that'll work really good. So we'll have them come. We'll they'll spend some time, show their caring, leave. The storm will hit. They'll come back, rushing back to see if she's okay, and she'll be like, "Yep, fine, cool." And that'll be <laughs> the intro. Okay. Okay, should we move on to the inciting incident then? Yeah, I actually, I know we had a couple ideas. Well, actually, we know what this one is, but I'm also wondering, I guess this is when we're going to introduce Ubri since he's sort of a part of it, because this is when there's the funeral and the sea dragons, Naveen's children. Yeah, let, let me just see what, what we wrote in our guidebook here and then see if we're on track here. So it says it's the first major turning point of the novel and one that changes everything. Up until this point, the protagonist has been busy dealing with the mini-story in the intro, but he or she is now going to cross a threshold where the hero's normal world will come to an abrupt halt. The change is caused by the resolution of the intro's smaller problems, catapulting the character into the inciting incidents. It's in entirely on purpose that we've set it up so that the inciting incident comes as a direct consequence of the character's previous actions. The inciting incident shouldn't be a random event that just happens to the character. Instead, there is agency involved. This makes for a much stronger inciting incident than one where the protagonist is inadvertently victim of the plot. (laughs) So that's what we said. I like that. And it's funny because while you're reading that, I had the thought that is the turning point when she hears Naveen calling to her that it's time for her to swim to the island? Or is it the turning point when she is on the shore at the ceremony and the dragon's there, the sea dragon comes to the surface and she reaches for Ubri for comfort and she realizes that I'm not swimming out there. There's no way I could even pretend that I can reach the island and survive. I was thinking that it's the latter of the two, but we still need to think about the part where we are saying that it comes as a consequence of the previous actions, and right? Right. Whereas right now, I think it's a bit sort of separated. True, but what previous actions other than being one of the apprentices to become one of Naveen's chosen, can we make it stem from? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i just thinking if we could link it so that something to do with what she's doing to weather the storm, if there's something there that sort of can enhance or support her feeling like I can't do it, you know. Mm. I mean, we said that she's going to she's gonna deal with the storm, so I'm not sort of saying that it's not that she can't deal with it, but maybe there is some smaller part of it where she she can't do it uh, or something. And then that could sort of enforce the th- both the theme, but also in the reader's mind, like, okay, we just saw that she couldn't deal with this small aspect of it. 
And therefore, it also makes sense that she would reach the conclusion herself to say, I can't do that. Right. You see what I mean? I do. And I could see, um, even though she creates manages to create like a small shelter during the storm and weather it out and then rebuild her tent, maybe the fact that maybe she finds the water and the howling voice of the wind and everything else too overwhelming. And that's what really scares her at first and makes her, you know, wish her parents had stayed or she'd gone with them. Yeah, indeed. I mean, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're saying she sees the water dragon and therefore she says, I can't swim out there. I think if I remember correctly, some of our previous conversations, we talked about the fact that she feels like I can't swim out there was sort of linked to both the fact that there's dragons in the water. But <laughs> why wouldn't you be worried about that? Oh, I no. guess. But, um, <laughs> but you know, other other chosen ones tries nevertheless but maybe the part where and i i don't know if this is just my mind playing tricks on me but i feel like we said in the past that it was to do with her blindness and sort of how 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 am i supposed to find a you know a small island somewhere out there or that at least that's how i remember it yeah that was part of it it was both of those things combined is that she it's the sea dragons as well as I'm, you know, people who can see can't even find this island at times. And they've yeah. heard Naveen, but she's blind and she just feels like, no, this this really is beyond my abilities. Right. So if that's the case, <laughs> then would we maybe have it so that all the, like you said before, all, all the rain and stuff like that, that it feels disorienting to her. So that sort of, so like she gets... She finds a bit it it a bit more difficult to, you know, figure out what's up and down and west and east and so on, uh, <laughs> while all the rain is there. Because then that could support while you know swimming out there with all the waves and so, even if you survive the the dragons uh, underneath the sea, all the waves and stuff would be so disorienting for her that she's certain she won't find her way and then. I think that that argument would be supported with what happened just before. And then also later on, when she sees, when she's at the waterfall and she senses there is no cave behind and so on, we could make a note at that point to link it back to this, to show that she has grown. You mm-hmm. know, that at that point, she, it doesn't feel disorienting anymore. And she's certain that there is no cave behind. So... We don't need to sort of slam slam the readers in the or bang them over the head with it, but just mentioning it in one way or another does show that she has evolved or she's become better or stronger or whatever word you want to put with it. Yes, I like that, and I especially like that it her fears and her growth are shown through water, which are so important for the elves in our world. So it really kind of grounds that into the character and the world, which is a fantastic introduction to their society as well yeah i think so yeah so i think that will work well i do too i think the only question is i guess when we're writing it i want to make sure that we capture that she's has she already heard naveen's voice or is that going to be kind of like the last thing so she'll be frightened she'll be like i can't go to the island be already thinking that and then when she gets back to the tent and she's already afraid she hears Naveen's voice, or is that the beginning of like the whole roller coaster or the inciting incident? Does she go to the funeral and experience the sea dragons knowing that Naveen's already called to her? 
No, I like that you said that. I, I think it, it, it has, it, I think it'll have a lot more impact if we put it at the end that she has so. all this struggle, like, oh my God, if I was ever called to this, this is going to, I will never make it. I don't want to do that. Da, 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 da. It comes back, boom, then she's called, <laughs> yeah. you know. She's like, but thank goodness it won't happen to me. Yes. And yeah, yes. she gets back to the tent and it's like, and she hears Naveen's voice and she's like, no. Yes, exactly. That, that would work really well, I think. Awesome. Great. All right, that moves us into the reaction phase. Great. And uh, now, well, the reaction phase is sort of the middle part that sometimes is a bit difficult to deal with <laughs> um, because the beginnings and endings often seems like a lot easier to write because there we have something that we aim to achieve, like introducing characters, presenting the setting, staging the inciting incident, and uh, of course... At the climax, in the end, we also have a lot of things to achieve. So with the reaction phase, we now have a character who just experienced the inciting incidents. So it's natural that the protagonist will be confronted by some uncertainty here. And the character's initial desire could be anything in a spectrum from wanting to get back to life before the inciting incident maybe have revenge or embrace the new reality. In either case, there won't be a solid plan to achieve such a goal. As the name indicates, <laughs> the protagonist is simply reacting to circumstances. Right, so I think the question now becomes, if the character has no plan or are just reacting to circumstances, it can easily come across with as if, you know, the characters may be dumb or doesn't know what to do or, or something like that. But uh, really, the, the point of this phase here is to show character chains. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to keep escalating the stakes until the protagonist is sucked so deeply into the reaction phase that no matter if she, he or she is successful or not, there is no way to ever return to how things were. Right. <laughs> So we just, we actually divided our reaction phase into six different steps. Well, they're oh. actually like stakes or hurdles. Okay. So we basically, you could say like this plot post is like a long list of hurdles. Well, that works. Well, I know there's lulls between the hurdles too, but okay, that's a good place, a good way to look at it. Yeah, I think we have another section later on about uh, lulls <laughs> and introducing those. But uh, right now, I think we just need to develop the escalating tension and hurdles here. Okay. Well, that works. And I know we've talked about a little bit because we we do know we want Dramna, her first reaction after hearing Naveen's voice, we mentioned that she will probably ponder very quickly, like, oh, can I just pretend like this never happened? No one will know. But then she'll, she's a pretty upstanding young woman that uh, she will say, well, Naveen will know. And there's no hiding from the fact that the goddess will know that she called her and she's just basically disobeying. And you don't want to piss off the goddess of your people, especially when she's a giant underwater sea dragon. Yeah, I think that goes well with what our book says as well, because it says the step one is where the protagonist is uh, feeling insecure and is driven by an emotional, perhaps even irrational desire to basically avoid what happened or reverse the inciting incident, right? Which is not going to happen. So that's basically what you just said. 
Well, perfect. Well, at least we've been on the right track. Our instincts must be pretty good. <laughs> Lucky us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a great beginning to the reaction phase, and I think it's totally believable. It's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't hear that. I, I, I'm just imagining things, and... Maybe she hears it again, but what, however we write it, it's the slow realization that the goddess did call for her. And you can't just wish that away like you're a little five-year-old and you close your eyes and it makes you invisible. It just doesn't work that way. No, exactly, yeah. So if we move on to step number two, this is basically also like an escalating stake, but then again, it's not really. And what I mean by that is that this is one of the ones where we are allowed to give her a small win or a small mm. success, but we are still to show that she doesn't have the like the knowledge or the skills yet to achieve what she want to do. So basically, this one should come from either luck or friends helping to get to the success, right? So we could, uh, I guess, use Ubri maybe here. Yeah, well, we haven't put in the fact where he mentions to her teasingly or as an act of comfort. We haven't decided how, but he's the one who mentions that there's this cave with healing water behind the waterfall that's in Winter Keep. So he's going to put the idea in her head, even though she and she's going to eventually latch onto it and go there. But at first we had said that she was going to be like, yeah, yeah, it's just a kid's tale. And Uber is going to be like, aha, too bad. This isn't, you know, I don't know if he's going to say it as like, oh, isn't this too bad that this isn't real. It could really help you right now. He's going to comfort her somehow. Yeah. And you could say her win. Well, that that, that is her win in many ways. I mean, it's, of course, it's like a, it's like a coping mechanism, right? But, but it is a, it is a win in her mind in the sense that she is, she takes herself out of the situation she doesn't want to be in. And so what's the win? That she is getting comfort from Ubri or that she's going to pack her bags and start... She sees a solution all of a sudden, right? That's yeah. her win. Okay, so that's her win is Ubri's suggestion that she's going to at first kind of pretend like, yeah, yeah, it's a kid's tale, but then be, as soon as he's gone, be like, I'm going to go there. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, honestly, I think we already have this one. I, I don't think we need to artificially find something else because it's it. this one suits the story and it's where we want to go with it. Yeah, definitely. We want to show that relationship and that his suggestion and sort of spawn her to go that way. I mean, she's got to have her have that mechanism to make her leave. Yes, indeed. All right. Um, it's good that we have a guidebook here and your memory because uh, <laughs> I remembered lols as coming much later, but it's actually here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Step three of the reaction phase is to incorporate a lol. So oh. this also gives you an excellent excuse to go in even deeper, it says. Basically, where we at now is that we are going to use this lol to sort of explore her uh, motivation, you know, or, or her sort of getting to have the first kind of thoughts that change is perhaps needed. You know, the way that she looks at the world, it's not necessarily the best way. So this is not her concluding anything, but this is where we sort of plant the first first couple of seeds that will eventually be where, she, you know, that she reaches a conclusion later on in the story. But this is where she has the first thought about maybe my way of thinking about things are wrong, you know, that kind oh, of way. Interesting. 
certainly a couple ways we can go with that. Do you have one in mind? Because I mean, her we have her way of thinking she wants that she has no place and that she must do things independently, but or she can't rely on her family to help her. I mean, those are all potential things that we can have her changing. And I guess we have to decide is is this a law that happens while she's still on the shore or is she trying to steal I a think horse? She has and, left. Yeah, I was gonna say she's trying to steal a horse or something and ride to Winter Keep and have it on the road. Yeah, that was what I, I was thinking on the road. Uh, yeah. And maybe like realizing that, uh, well, now I am, you know, I'm out and about in the world now. I'm no longer with my family. I am independent like I want to be and so on and so forth. But then traveling from the Citadel to Winter's Keep, it's just tougher than she thought maybe. And maybe she has some initial thinking there about, well, actually it was kind of nice when my parents brought me some food and just looked <laughs> if, you know, maybe if I was okay and stuff like that. And just missing that a bit. That could be a lot where she just misses the attention and feels a bit like, I am a part of a family and I can feel it now that I'm missing it. Yeah. Especially, you know, she's, I don't think she's told anyone she's going cause she doesn't want to be followed. And she's basically hoping the goddess will understand that she's doing this so that she could fulfill her promise, but she's just not ready to do it yet. So she could also, I mean, she has friends that she's left behind. She's left behind Ubri. She hasn't told anyone. And just that kind of like, yeah, maybe I miss my parents. I should have treated them better. Maybe I should have told someone what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Because darn it, I'm out here on my own. Okay. Yes, I think yes. that makes a great lull. So when we read step four of the reaction phase, this is, um, well, it says in, in our book here that this particular hurdle requires some thinking ahead. Hmm. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> because it can't be a random failure for the sole sake of creating tension. What we have to do here is that basically we need to build a situation in which our protagonist will fail. But mm-hmm. the situation has to mirror the circumstances that will eventually make her grow. Okay. okay. So the idea is not to make the situation the same as what will make her grow. So I think the situation we had where she would eventually grow was when she fights that other guy and saves... Mm-hmm. Uh, Askel. So the idea here is not to make a similar situation in the sense that she's fighting something and loses, but more we need to get a bit inventive and then more let the hurdle be of the sim of a similar nature or theme rather than a clone. Okay. Interesting. But this is one where she doesn't do as well? Yeah, basically she fails, yeah. So okay. so once the reader gets to the stage where they read in the end that she actually succeeds then they will realize, oh, she has grown now. She has become more capable now, right? Right. Whereas at this point, she's not, so she fails. That makes sense. And that is, it's tough, but it's not that tough. I mean, she's alone trying to go hundreds of miles through a landscape that is sort of like the tundra. And we never talked about if it was summer or winter for her, but we'll, you know, assume it's probably no matter what, not super warm. And she's blind, and I would assume that she's probably on horseback, but it would be pretty easy to... There's dwarves and who knows what else out there in the landscape that could easily cause an issue for her. 
Yeah, there's yeah plenty of things. I, I think the trick here is to create something where it's not about fighting. Mm-hmm. Well, when she when she fights the guy at the end, or in the climax, she. Well, I think based on what we talked about previously, I'm trying to remember here, but I think we talked about she sort of works up the courage, and then mm-hmm. because and he thinks that she's blind, therefore can't do anything, and but she works up the courage and and then attacks him and and succeeds. If that situation is about working up the courage, then this could be something where her courage lacks or or she she doesn't have the courage, and yes. therefore she suffers suffers some some sort of ill consequence not not i'm I'm not thinking about getting physically hurt or something, mm-hmm. but maybe losing some of her possessions or have to do a detour a longer trip because of what she doesn't have the courage to do something like that. Yeah, well, I was wondering, I mean, if it could be something as, you know, she hears, like, something does come and attack, but she doesn't want to fight because she doesn't feel capable, and she maybe leaves her betting roll, leaves stuff behind, jumps on the horse, they go tearing off into it, doesn't matter for her if it's day or night, and they lose the path, and then she is basically stuck off the path without her stuff, doesn't know how to get back, and doesn't really know what to do. So that's, she's almost lost. And so it does take longer for her to even figure out how to get back to the road. Yeah, precisely. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> Great. No, we're on the same track. How weird. <laughs> yeah, let's just go with that. I, I think that it, I think it works, to be honest. I, I don't think we have to labor more uh, over that. It, it's, it's straightforward. It works. It's, uh, it's a situation about courage, which mm-hmm. shows the chains at the end where she then has the courage and therefore she succeeds. Yeah, and it's not that she doesn't have... She's not going to fight anything off. She's totally not capable. She flees, and that yeah. causes us such a bigger issue. For yes. all we know, it was a growling bunny rabbit, but she doesn't know that because <laughs> she just left. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's go with that. Okay, so we read step five, so the second to last of the stages of this reaction phase, and now we are back in a lull again. So this is basically about recovery. The character will be emotionally scarred and they will sort of need to recuperate, which makes perfect sense to what we just decided. (laughs) Then our guidebook says, reading about someone who is feeling sorry for themselves, being tended to by others, or is crawling back out of the mud is an an of itself not very exciting. You'll need to include a revelation. Mm. And then it says it can mean many things. It could be a major twist. It could be a subtle piece of information, but something that gives the reader further insight and understanding of the story. Okay, well, that'll be good. So yeah, she definitely, we've gotten this poor girl fleeing from the call of a goddess. Now she's lost alone in the tundra and can't find the road and is blind. So I could see she might need um, some recovery and maybe a revelation about something. Maybe, I mean, she doesn't get a big win, but she needs something at this point. I guess it really comes down to what kind of revelation we want her to have. Because, I mean, we've already kind of uncovered, you know, she has this belief that she is incapable. You know, we have her early on not believing in herself, that she has this deep belief that she's not capable, even though she's just traveled this distance. And now she's gotten herself lost, so she's going to be hard on herself. But again, she could, she needs to take a break. She needs to get herself oriented. She needs to get back to the road. 
So there's got to be a small win here. It could just be as easy as that she's capable of taking whatever, taking stock of what she has. She's got to like feel through her saddlebag, see what is actually on the horse. When you're riding with a horse, there's usually a saddle blanket. So she does have a blanket with her, just kind of like, okay, what do I have? And And actually managing to do that. But I don't know if it's much of a revelation other that we haven't had before that, okay, it's another notch where like, look, you're doing it. You are capable. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with what you say, but I still don't think it sort of hits the head of, uh, of the nail here or whatever you say. Um, <laughs> because could it be something to do with with Naiveen in one way or another? Could there be something there that we could... Hmm. Just to bring it in a bit again here, because she, she's sort of just running away from it and, and then... But it's not gone, you know, and... Right. I'm just wondering if there's anything we could, or, or she could, she could do a prayer or. Oh, that'd be kind of nice. I don't know. If she, um, especially since they, you know, they're supposed to go to water like at least once a day. Yes. And if she does realize, like reach out for help from even Naveen, because that's the only, only entity within reach at the moment. And Naveen isn't mean to her or does give her a little bit of guidance back to the yeah. road? Yeah, or, I mean, among her possessions, there would be uh, the the small, like, uh, I don't remember if in the world building if we called it a washing ball or something, but they have a small ball which mm-hmm. they fill with water once a day, like you say. Mm-hmm. So if that was in her possession, she's now lost that. Oh, right? yeah. And then realizing that she's she's lost that, she left it behind, she have no clue how to get back to it, she could... You know, maybe panic a bit and then she finds some bark off a tree or something that is a bit hollow or whatever, melts some snow in it so that it becomes to water and then she does her praying. And then maybe we could have some revelation there. But I'm just thinking if the revelation could be linked to something that she realizes rather than Naveen. What if Naveen doesn't respond to her? Because wouldn't the reader expect that, well, okay, so she responds to Naveen, so Naveen will respond. Or something mm-hmm. that I think that's what the reader would expect. So if we make that not happen, you know, so that Naveen does not respond to her, that would make maybe you know maybe we could use that to get to some sort of revelation or her realizing something. I don't quite know what here, so I'm spitballing a bit, but but I'm just I I just feel a need to do the opposite of what the reader would expect, <laughs> right? Which is Naveen. You know, saying at least being irritated. Hey, you're supposed to be coming to me, not Correct. just completely ignoring Correct. her. Yes, but yeah, I guess it's the the point of you know what what would that make you? Rev- what revelation would the goddess ignoring her make her realize? Other than she truly is on her own, but that she's still doing it. I don't know. Well, the fact that the goddess doesn't reply to her could that make her question like what does that mean does it mean that i'm i've fallen out of grace now and and mm. you know am i cursed now why is the goddess not responding she was just talking to me calling <laughs> me that i was one of the chosen ones and now i get no response i could see that that would certainly because i know we're leading up to like the next turning point and so that would definitely cut her pretty deep to go from you know i i was supposed to be one of the 
chosen ones. I'm just too frightened. I'm trying to get back on the path to do that. And now you're ignoring me. I, I'm not even worthy anymore. And you don't want to be cursed by a dragon goddess. That wouldn't be fun. <laughs> Preferably not, no. <laughs> no, no, that would not be fun. But I, I think at the same time, the step five here is it's sort of... In our guidebook, it's sort of mentioned as a, you know, as a positive, you mm -hmm. know, that that there is a positive outcome. So if we just leave her at like feeling worried that now I'm cursed and what what happened, then it, <laughs> that's not a good outcome. No, it's not. <laughs> that's what I was trying but, but, to. But, but we could maybe take her through that, like, so mm -hmm. the the first stage is that she's worried about am I cursed and so on and then she realizes or thinks about some uh, something like that so that we end her on a positive yeah I guess it's just what what comes after that what makes this a positive experience that she's like again short of her solving her own problem but you still have that hanging over your head that the goddess is angry at you yeah well I, my initial thought there was that could she feel like well Maybe I escape now, but that also feels mm. a bit too easy. Or then, then she feels a bit stupid, almost like you know. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't I, work. I just went all this way, and now the goddess. That's the only problem with this. She went all this way, and now the goddess isn't talking to her, and it can't, you know, be that easy to get out of being one of the chosen. No, for sure not. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard because you, we just. I guess we have to decide what we want to pin the revelation to. What is she going to realize? You know, is it one of her? Is it one of the truths that you know her inner motivations versus her outer motivations? I guess the revelation in the end, if that's what you're referring to, mm -hmm. would be something akin to. Well, her realizing that she does have a place, but also that there is other ways to fulfill a role in society and fit in other than, you know, because, well, being Naveen's chosen is sort of a role that you are then piloted into. Or I don't know if you can say that in, in English, but you, she, or let me just say that, like forced into, like that's a role that you get forced into and then that's what you're supposed to do. But I guess her revelation or her realization towards the end is like, I want to do something else, but it's just as valuable and I fit in doing it, right? Right. So what if, in, so we have her praying to the goddess and the goddess doesn't answer and she's sitting there thinking, what does this mean? Am I cursed? What happens now? What if, I can't imagine anyone's out there that would like a hermit, somebody else is there and actually lends a hand or something, because this is still the reaction phase where she's not capable of solving it completely on her own. But if something else just turns up at the end so that it's kind of pivots in a different way that she actually finds a little bit of temporary companionship or help. Could she see like a chipmunk uh, <laughs> running up a tree and with nuts for its uh, for its family or something, and then it makes her think about, you know, that, well, that chipmunk is a parent and uh, taking care of of its children, but that's not all it is. You know, the, mm -hmm. 
you know, you see where I'm going. I do, but to me, I think that, well, one, she can't see it, but she could sense it oh, or no, hear that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she could hear it. But at the same time, I think that would make her feel more alone at that point. If you're sitting there feeling lost alone <laughs> right. and you're it just makes it worse. <laughs> and there's a chipmunk who he's got his darn family. <laughs> right. Yeah. It just makes it worse. Um, I was just trying to think rather than some character all of a sudden popping up like, hello, yeah. out in the nowhere. I know. Yeah, that's what I don't want to animal happen. or something, seeing something happening could trigger something well she has her horse with her i mean right that's right isn't alone so she could it could be a moment of companionship even with the horse just like feeling alone and having you know navi not answering and the horse coming over and butting her and be like hey i know when i had a horse you like to come and chew on my horse my hair because it was the color of hay so you do some little like Something else that just kind of like pushes her over and maybe knocks the water over and be like, hey, come on, what you doing? Let's get going. Let's, it's, this is what you do. You keep going and I want my food. So let's get mm. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she realizes that, hey, I can, I, I'm not alone. I can rely on this animal with me because I've been relying on him a whole time. And apparently he thinks he knows where he's going. Or, or just realizing, you know, I have to, I have to at least take the horse to the city because it's, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm the one guarding it, or you yeah. know, it's, it's guardian or caretaker or whatever you want to call it. it but it's still, I don't know, it still feels slightly weak to me. Mm-hmm. It is a hard one to come up with something that is different, but I do kind of like the way it's going. That you know, she prays to the goddess. The goddess doesn't answer. Yes. Um, she realizes that she's been thinking she's all alone, but this other animal is with her. And yeah, I like the horse thing. Yeah, but what revelation does that make her realize? Other than you know, she's taking care of the horse and she has to get it somewhere, but also that she isn't alone. I mean, she is doing it, but she's got a companion in a way, even though it's not something that can talk to her, like Ubre could talk to her. Horses are sensitive animals, you know. It, it it might sense her frustration, and then it maybe comes over and sort of uh, puts its its head next to hers, or or something mm-hmm. something that feel feel comfortable or comforting mm-hmm. to her. And then that might be sort of what what makes her think that well, right now I have a horse, but I do have a family back home, mm-hmm. and you know maybe she just starts realizing that. I'm sure that they would be just as caring as they've always been. I mean, that that would be a real realization for her that she hasn't had before. Yeah. And especially she's her personality type. We've said she's had a hard time, like with those deeper inner connections, just opening it up to say to that moment of like having that moment of comfort of a warm cheek against hers and thinking of her mom, maybe who has held her similarly cheek to cheek and being like, they must be so worried about me instead of it being about her and her needs and where she's going to suddenly realize and understand her parents' needs and that they must be a wreck. Yeah, indeed. And that's a big revelation to actually remove a step from I, I, I to, Oh, this is what I've done to my family. And they must be so upset. Hey, we got somewhere. Like the horse, like the horse is, is like, you know, dependent on her. Mm-hmm. And and she realized, oh, I have, and then she can extend the thought to the parents and so on. You know, like there is other people in my life who, 
both cares about me, but are also worried about me and uh, it matters to them whether I'm here or not and so on. So I can't yeah. just sit here around moping, you know? Yeah. And it takes responsibility that she's done something to hurt them, to make them worried. She's done this and she wasn't thinking and she should have been better. It's a big revel. It's a big grow up moment when you realize that you've been selfish and self-centered. Excellent, excellent. So it helped just keep chipping away at it, and then we got to it. I think that's good. It is. It is. It's great. It's always good to to have someone to bounce off the ideas off of. It gets there better. Yeah, and I, I think this one is not what you expect either, which I like. No, uh, yeah, I like to when every time the reader thinks we're gonna sick, we're gonna sack. So I like that. <laughs> All right, let's get that down. All right, so this is then the sixth and final step of the reaction phase. After this, we're going to go into the new info section. Okay. So it's therefore necessary to leverage this step six to make it clear that if the character is to survive in mind and or body, the protagonist will have to stop acting like a puppet and seize Mm -hmm. the initiative. So then it says in our guidebook that this particular hurdle is a moment in the story where the stakes needs to be concrete rather than abstract. Something very important, extremely immediate, that you can really wrap your brain around should take place here. And then it says, for example, it could be having the character's life in danger or the life of somebody they love is threatened or some sort of close call. So this is probably uh, where she's uh, meeting Askel. uh, Yeah. And he's wounded and so on. But then it says, in any case, it needs to end in failure. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> hmm. we have her senses opening up and um, she does get him back to the city. So it's not quite failure. Is this... Hmm. <laughs> How to... Well, the reason why it needs to end in failure is because it links to the new info where where the character then you know realizes, oh, okay... If I'm going to advance anything here, if I'm going to get anywhere, I need to think about it this way or do it this way instead, right? So that's why it sort of fails and then new info pushes, well, the new info, <laughs> meaning that that uh, it then becomes successful or, or puts the character down a new path, right? right. Well, I've always, it's, I've always thought of it as two points because if you make it a failure, it's also called the dark night of the soul. But I've also seen the new info phase when it's more of a new info and depends on what type of story you're writing where it is literally new info and it kind of is just a revelation. And to me, I think I was thinking of this as a positive story where the new info is actually her senses, like realizing she can sense the waterfall and that there is no cave. So I was thinking of it more of a positive turn and but isn't not... that the new info you just mentioned yeah to me that would be the new, new info but it doesn't yeah. have a negative connotation no, it's but the, more... the new info is a positive yeah but, so so that was just what you mentioned i think that oh. is the new info okay uh, but the, the step before is where we need to have something happening where 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 it doesn't quite work out right and then and then she starts well realizing all the things you just said not to repeat what you just said <laughs> uh, but then that's the new info, right? So if it's if it is when she meets Askel and realizes she has, is this going to be the step? I guess is it when she meets Askel and she needs to help him, and maybe she can't or is? I know we initially want her like looking for help. Does something happen where she 
maybe she loses the horse or something. Something else happens that she initially fails at before she helps manages to help him on her own. It needs, as I said, it needs to be very concrete. So mm-hmm. it's probably something like either it brings Askel's life in danger or it brings mm-hmm. her own life in danger or some close call or something like that, right? So right. it could be... I'm just thinking if it could be something to do with that she's trying to get him to the city, but then this whole thing about coming to her senses and so on, that if she actually is starting to come into her, you know, she she starts coming to her senses and mm-hmm. gets this sort of way of feeling the world around her, like we know in the actual novel that she has this way of, she can actually quote-unquote see things with her mind around her mm-hmm. she knows what things where things are and so on and if this is sort of where she starts realize i mean it, it, i don't think it's like a, a skill that just pops up all of a sudden like woohoo now you can do this <laughs> I, I think it's more something that has been there all the time but she right. hasn't really thought about it it's just been a part of her uh, so to speak it's maybe she she puts askel on the horse she wants him to or she wants to take him to Winter's Keep. With her senses, maybe, she senses that the route that they're going or something is not good or mm-hmm. dangerous, whatever. But then the horse wants to go another way, maybe. I don't I don't I'm not I'm not known I don't know horses that well, so I don't know if horses can do they always, by nature, go places where it's not? Da- Do they just know inherently that I shouldn't walk here? Well, I mean, if if it can see better than she can, and we can assume that Askel is maybe woo- too woozy to be able to see ahead, that if it could see and sense, they have a good sense. So I could see a horse like seeing that the trail is much narrower than she's saying, or it's crumbly and being like eh, backing up and shying away very easily. What I was trying to get to was more like if the horse was heading in a in the wrong direction, so to speak, mm-hmm. or more more dangerous path, and she knows inherently that we shouldn't go there because that's really what she senses, but she trusts the horse more because it can mm-hmm. see. And then they head down this path, it ends bad. <laughs> and then, you know, she realizes, oh, I, I should trust my... And that's the new info, right? And then you get right. to the stage where if I trust my instincts it'll be okay, you know, and, and I'm, I was just wondering if, if a horse would actually do that, and I, I don't have enough horse knowledge, so to speak, <laughs> if you can call it that, about what horses might or might not do, I don't know, if, if yeah. a horse would always be able to realize that I shouldn't go that route, or, or not, or if they can get themselves into trouble like that, I don't know. No, oh, anything can get itself into trouble, I think it depends on the horse. <laughs> it could, but I'm wondering if we're, if we can't somehow incorporate it, because she's they're trying to find the cave behind the waterfall. And we had said that she, you know, she was pretty determined to find it. And maybe that's the failure that we want to look at. I mean, she finds Askel, but at the same time, she still wants to find that. And she doesn't want to give it up. So there could be a moment of choice there that's risking her life, risking his life, and that she could slip or even get herself into a situation that's worse and that we're going to right. then lead into the new because she insists phase. going looking for the cave or something. Yeah, because she hasn't quite chosen to give that up yet. So instead of it being after she finds them, it's sort of like right as she finds them. 
and before that she manages to even rescue him so that the new info phase comes with her with her developing her senses even more realizing she shouldn't have kept going and then realizing the cave isn't there yeah i i think that could work as well the the main thing is just that we need to be careful that it doesn't that it, it it's not about her like well she has a wounded man there and, and just like well yeah i'm just gonna check on a cave down here while you're lying wounded dying there you know it, it can't be like that no but i think because we also said we wanted her calling for help so maybe she calls for help and she's like someone's gonna be right here don't worry someone's gonna be coming and she starts to leave him and slips or realizes how dangerous it is and why that- would somebody be coming because why if the city's nearby and he was and somebody would already have come then if yeah. if I mean well we she has to save him right yeah. I mean it has to be because it's her action that saves him it's not it because somebody is coming by that that's a bit weird no but she could be saying that that someone's going to come because we did originally say that the apprentice assassin that's with him is you know not scared away not just because of her but because other people on the trail. So we've said that. Right, yes, I who, remember something about yeah. that's right. Yes, that's right. So she, there would have been person. Maybe she would have heard them while they were fleeing or something. You know, whatever. Or she happened. sees them approaching. Yeah, or something. And well, I, again, I think if she has to be the one. They have to have been leaving, but she maybe heard them and doesn't realize that she's like, "Oh, someone's going to come. Don't worry, you'll be fine. I can't help you." I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds very cruel. (laughs) Uh, But she's in a desperate state. But again, we don't know how she's blind. I don't know if she realizes how injured he is at first, or she doesn't want to believe that, that she's come this far. She's not stupid, right? I mean, but she's uh, a teenager. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I I think she, I mean, she comes across a man, uh, another man flees away from it. There is uh, some sort of caravan or something coming that their way, like like you just reminded me. Mm-hmm. That's right. We said that earlier. So she would definitely go to him, check how he's doing. And she would, it doesn't take much to realize, even if you're blind, that this is bad. Yeah. And, and I don't think you would get up and just sort of leave and say, well, don't worry. Somebody will come. Uh, that's, it seems both cruel and <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like that. I, I think that would, that's not what she's like. No, she well. would try. To, she would be there to comfort him and help him, and and so on. And then maybe this caravan thing comes along, and they are to take him and her to the rest of the way, to to the city. Now I forgot his name. Winter Keep. Winter, Winter Keep. Yeah. yeah. So so they're gonna take them both the rest of the way, and as they get going, then maybe that's where she thinks, okay, I can just take a small detour. I just need to check something, mm-hmm. and I'll catch up with you guys. Or something and then she goes there goes wrong maybe she i don't know if she loses the horse or people don't want to read about that right but <laughs> never hurt the horse or the dog <laughs> no indeed but maybe you know maybe it sort of goes wrong and, and she realized i shouldn't have done this uh, she also <laughs> realizes there is no cave etc etc <laughs> a- and then she she needs to make her way back to the caravan that's then where we can turn to the positive like you were talking about some moments ago okay because, yeah, I definitely think I could see that. And maybe as she is there alone, I think in that moment of panic, like say you're slipping and falling and just by reaching out, like trying quickly to find a tree or something to grab, that is maybe what makes her realize that she can sense things better than she realized. Maybe she, she senses the, 
she senses that the rain's uh, sort of uh, swinging in the wind. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that, she, and she just grabs onto it, and actually the horse pulls her out. That would work, and that way it's sort of like it's that moment of panic and need that makes her yeah realize she can see or not yeah, be, see, be, but she can sense. Yeah, because sensing the rain is just like a small well, I don't know if it's made of leather, but it's it's a it's a small thing that weighs in the wind, right? I mean, mm-hmm. all, it requires quite a lot to sense that, yes. right? So so. It's not like sensing there is a tree or a mountain ahead of me, right? It's yeah. it's it's a small detail, mm-hmm. which is then, yeah, what she makes makes her realize that okay, she can sense these very small details, and also realize that I've I've been able to do that all along, but I never thought about it actually. Yeah, just never recognize it. You're, yeah, she was blind to her own abilities because she didn't want to see that she. Had she never abilities. needed it either. No, no, not as desperate as okay, this is a life or death. And I need to save myself. Yeah, and, and she had people bringing her food. Her parents were concerned. She never needed it. And so she never used it. That's just like anything that you've never yeah. used before. You're not really good at it yet. But having the horse save her rather than the horse dying, <laughs> I think that's better. a lot, lot better. <laughs> I like that one a lot. I have a friend who would never speak to me again if the horse died. So yeah, no, yes. not doing that one. <laughs> no. All right. Okay, well, I think that probably covers the last of those hurdles and also the new info in one go here. That's pretty good. So we've jumped ahead. We were only going to do three and we've done four plot posts. So that's fantastic. Well, did we? Intro, inciting incident. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. Well, we can review it and make sure that's the new info phase the way we want it uh, next time and then do the planning phase, the climax and the wrap up. Perfect. Well, that's, hey, this is coming right along. It is, actually. I Before we know it, I have to start writing the first draft. Yay, I can't wait. <laughs> All right, well, um, I guess we'll just talk next week then, won't we? Yeah, sure. Have a great week. Tell the family I said hi. All right, you too. Thanks. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to Write the Story, a limited series podcast. Please consider to support. It will help us make more podcasts like this one in the future. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash amwritingfantasy. Fantasy.